15 in the NFL is here, and we're here to break it down because we're off the clock. Kevin Boylard here with my co-host, Jordan Dejani. This is the Off the Clock Podcast. Jordan, what is going on this Friday afternoon? Yo, Kevin, what's up? It feels so good to be back. I am living dreams. Hope you are as well. Uh, I just recently made the trip across the great state of Tennessee to North Carolina, where I am originally from. I'm staying at my parents' house, and they claim it is haunted because every time, whenever I'm around and I make my trip back home, the liquor in the house starts to disappear. So today I'm drinking some Woodford Reserve. Uh, what are you drinking today, oh, Kevin? Dude, I've got uh, my uh, Sierra Nevada Hazy Little Thing IPA. It's a regular of the program. Those of you who tune in know that I drink this one often. Uh, what, what are you guys drinking? Let me know in the comments section. For those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, we will be answering your questions. Uh, we're going to show you the playoff picture using the ESPN playoff machine, so it's going to be a little interactive. Let us know what scenarios you want us to play out with either the machine or the machines in our heads, and we'll do our best to uh, give our most educated opinion on all the topics. Jonna, Stefan, Racine, Krista, Kyle, all you in the comments section, what is going on? We definitely want to hear from you. Drop your questions and comments in about the playoff race. Week 15 is already underway. Last night we got Chargers beating the Raiders in overtime. In the fourth quarter, it looked like neither team wanted to win the game, which was kind of similar to the Chargers-Falcons game the week before. The Chargers end up pulling it out a couple weeks in a row. What do you think, Jordan? Uh, are these Chargers heading in the right direction, or do you feel like they still need to make a big change this offseason? You know I'm talking about head coach Anthony Lynn. Yeah, that's a loaded question. You know, I, I entered this matchup last night thinking that if Anthony Lynn was to be fired, then in my opinion, this would be the most attractive job to me. I mean, you got great young pieces on both sides of the ball. You would be in a very tough division, but there's definitely some good things to work with uh, when it comes to the Chargers. They got their whole new stadium and everything like that. And I started to think, you know, I, I think Anthony Lynn might be okay. I know they want to wait until the offseason until they can revisit this topic. But after the game, even though they won, I started to think that I, I can I understand why Anthony Lynn's seat is feeling a little toasty at this point in time. I mean, they, they didn't they didn't deserve to win that game. Am I right? And I guess when it comes to just the game in general, I was talking with one of my friends and it reminded me of a Pac-12 game. I don't know how much you love college football, Kev, but Pac-12 after dark is one of my favorite sporting events uh, weekly. It's my favorite thing in the world. And it felt like a Pac-12 game, right? I mean, there's two lowly Western Coast teams facing off on a weekday night. One of the, the starting quarterback gets hurt, and in comes the backup who plays pretty well. It goes to overtime, missed field goals, uh, interceptions, and then the freshman quarterback, Justin Herbert, the rookie, he, he, it seems he punches it in on third and goal or second and goal for the touchdown, the game-winning touchdown, but he fumbled. Oh, no. Oh, wait. He gets another chance. He punches it in. He's the hero of the game. It felt like a Pac-12 game to me. I, I know a lot of people were hating on the game and said no one deserved to win. I had a lot of fun watching it. So great start to week 15. I'm excited to see what the rest of the week holds for us. But uh, let's talk about Justin Herbert because he seems like he's kind of running away with rookie of the year right now, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that Justin Herbert's – you know, the odds on favorite to win it. Uh, I don't think there's any argument against it if, and he's going to, but last night he tied Baker Mayfield's rookie record for touchdown passes in a season for a rookie. 
27. He's going to shatter that. He's probably going to throw more than 30, which is unheard of. Uh, he's on pace. He's, he's next week is going to break uh, Carson Wentz's rookie record for completions. Uh, and then if he has a really good next two weeks, he could even break Andrew Luck's record for yards uh, as a rookie passing yards. So I think if he breaks all of those records, uh, there's really no argument against him. Some people still want to say that Justin Jefferson deserves it. Um, Justin Jefferson is a fantastic player. He's turned out to be probably the best rookie receiver, at least the most productive rookie receiver in this 2020 class. Um, But the quarterback position is far more important. Uh, Herbert is, is producing at an outstanding level. And uh, for you to all of a sudden, you know, go away from that trend of, you know, giving those awards to quarterbacks and valuing the quarterback position to give it to a receiver. Uh, it, it just kind of is, it doesn't make sense or why you would do it this year. It would make sense another year where, you know, maybe you don't have that standout quarterback who really blows everyone away. Um, but this year we do have that in Justin Herbert. Um, and I think that he's going to run away with the award. Did you ever, by the way, did you ever hear of that rule before? You know, the, you mentioned the fumble into the end zone and they said in under two minutes, no one can advance the fumble other than the person who fumbled it. I had never heard that before. So they brought the ball no, out of the I end had, zone and put it back at the yeah. one yard line. And everyone was just like, oh, yeah, OK, let's keep playing. I was like, wait, what? I, I've literally never heard that rule ever. Yeah, I was really confused. I was confused about everything that kind of took place at the goal line last night at the end of the game even on that game winning touchdown i thought he fumbled it looked like he kind of lost possession in the end zone under under further review i think he was fine i was in that was a i was in yeah he's screaming it was funny because someone tweeted i think it was will brinson it was like i'm in i don't want to do the sneak again please let the game be over i want it to be over i'm in i thought that was pretty funny but yeah no i haven't ever i haven't heard that rule before that's really interesting i I want to go back to the official nfl rule book and and read that and like to get a firm understanding of what that is you are the only one who wants to spend weekend reading the official NFL rule book, but that's what makes you different as it does your love for Pac-12 after dark. I have a long day on Sundays. I know you do too. I like to get my sleep in on Saturday night, but I always, when I open up Twitter on Sunday morning to a T, I'm still in bed every Sunday morning. First thing I see is some bizarre play that you've tweeted from Pac-12 after dark. And it's always like Pac-12 after dark. I'm like, Jordan was up at (laughs) one in the morning tweeting about Pac-12 football. Like, doesn't he have to cover NFL? He's doing this just because he likes it like a weirdo. Like he's got to cover a whole day of football the next day. He's up until one in the morning tweeting like bizarre plays from the Pac-12 that no one else saw. And that, and that's what, that's what makes Jordan great at what he does. But anyway, um, (laughs) My only other takeaway from uh, last night's game was uh, the Raiders are a bit of a joke. They've lost one of their, or they've lost four of their last five, with the only win being that Greg Williams Hail Mary uh, cover zero blitz. So uh, that's about as good as a five game losing streak after starting six and three, and kind of indicative of the directionless Raiders was the hat mishap. Did you see John Gruden's? Hat mishap. He was wearing the wrong hat. He was wearing an Oakland Raiders hat to start the game. Yeah, I saw that. And and he his his uh his quote after the game was really interesting. Didn't he say something like, "Oh, someone played a trick on me." Yeah. Like was someone 
was someone like trying to make a joke or was it just like a, a, a hat he had in his rotation of hats? I don't know. I thought it was an interesting storyline. Yeah. I mean, it blew up for us on Twitter and Instagram. So, you know me, I'm the meme guy on the show and I'm nice. always, yeah. I'm always about that stuff. All right. So I think that's enough talk about last night's game. Are you ready to talk about some teams that are actually going to make the playoffs? Yes, I'm excited. All right, cool. So, guys, I told you and promised you that we'd be showing you the ESPN playoff machine. Well, here it is with Jordan and I bookending it. Pretty sick setup, if you ask me, the tech expert on the show. Um, so, right now, just to quick break things down, uh, the two one seeds heading into the rest of Week 15 are the Chiefs and the Packers on the AFC and NFC side. Uh, the AFC seeds go like this, Steelers, Bills, Titans, Browns, Colts, Dolphins, and on the NFC side, you've got the Saints, Los Angeles Rams, Washington football team, Seahawks, Bucks, Cardinals. Interesting matchups this weekend. The Saints play the Chiefs. Um, the two teams that are on the outside looking in but trying to sneak in, uh, the Vikings play the Bears, uh, the Giants play the Browns. The Giants are trying to leapfrog the Washington football team back into that first place spot, that number four seed. Uh, and there are a few other big games coming up this weekend, and we'll talk about whichever ones you want to. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to try to find a comment from the que uh, question from the comment section here. Comment from the question section. How many times am I going to say that on the show? Um, <laughs> And we'll find out uh, who you guys want to talk about. So I'm going to give Krista, since she was the first one to get in and, and shout out her team, uh, the chance to uh, lead the conversation here. She said, who that Saints? This also just happens to be the premier prime game on AFC uh, in the AFC on CBS this weekend uh, with the Saints and the Chiefs going head-to-head. -head. Drew Brees is going to play in this game after Taysom Hill has kind of manned the fort, so to speak, at quarterback for the last few weeks while Drew Brees recovers from broken ribs. Uh, he's coming back just in time because Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are firing. Even when Patrick Mahomes throws three interceptions like he did against the Dolphins last week, they find a way to put up points and win. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game, Chiefs-Saints, and also can the Saints maybe find their way back into that one seed or are the Packers as good as locking it up? I'm very excited for the for this matchup. But to answer your second question first, yeah, I mean, everyone's battling for the number one seeds when it comes to those three teams, including the Packers with these two guys. So, yeah, it's going to be a huge matchup, and I think that's a big reason Drew Brees is making his return to the field here as well. So it remains to be seen if he's 100% healthy or not. Now, the Saints, they fell back to earth after their nine-game win streak or whatever it was running into a buzzsaw that was rookie quarterback Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a great game for Philly fans. But when it comes to the Chiefs, you know, this is interesting. I tweeted out this. I hope you guys saw it. Chiefs, they've been a nightmare for betters recently. They're 0-5 against the spread in their past five games, which is the longest active against the spread losing streak in the NFL. All that to, all that to say, I think – they are due to finally get a win against the spread. I think they're three-point favorites this week against the Saints. Drew Brees is obviously the starting quarterback for the Saints. We get that, but it's going to be interesting to see if he can come back under center and kind of get back to the production that the Saints were used to when they had him. I think it's good news for Alvin Kamara's and how he's utilizing the offense. The same goes for Michael Thomas, but that defense is going to be hard-pressed to stop 
Patrick Mahomes and company in the Kansas City Chiefs. So that spread's low. It was actually one of my top five picks of the week on CBSSports.com. I'm rolling with the Chiefs in this one, and I think a big reason Drew Brees is making his return to the field is because they are playing the Chiefs, and they are fighting for that number one seed in the Dude, NFC. last week we saw the Saints defense, which previously had ranked number one in total yards allowed this season, get gashed by an Eagles rushing attack spearheaded by Miles Sanders and rookie quarterback Jalen Hurts. Do you think there's anything that the Chiefs could take from that game Cause they're more, it's not really the rushing game that scares teams. It's what Patrick Mahomes can do with his arm. Uh, like did the saints show some cracks? Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the chiefs could blow out the saints. Potentially. Yeah. And to answer your question, I, I, I don't know if the chiefs ever need to take film study from another team to see how they gashed a defense offensively, right? The Chiefs are the most explosive offense in the NFL. And as we saw against the Dolphins, sometimes it's better if Patrick Mahomes throws two or three interceptions because that means they're going to air the ball out and Tyree Kill's going to score a touchdown, right? So I, I don't know about that. I felt like I could be wrong. I might have to dive deeper into the film, but what I saw in Philly last week wasn't some big mismatch, you know, when it comes to positional matchups on both sides of the ball. It was more of there's a stat out there that shows when, when NFL quarterbacks make their first start under center, they're more likely to cover the spread, which is crazy. And sure enough, you know, you probably saw the CBS like big parlay they did for NFL Sunday included the chiefs plus, or sorry, the Eagles uh, plus six and a half with Jalen hurts as a rookie making his first start. So I thought it was a more of a thing where both sides of the ball kind of received a jolt of energy and they were able to go out there. And let's be honest, the Saints were kind of due for a loss, right? They're having a, a flex offensive weapon starting under center and they're winning nine games in a row. It's probably due for them to suffer a loss. So you're right in the sense of I think when the Chiefs face off against anybody, there's a chance that they could blow them out. We saw that in the playoffs. They trailed by double digits to every team and then beat every team by double digits. But it's hard because I do like the Saints in the NFC for sure, but how how good the Chiefs have been as of late, just in terms of how they are executing their offense in terms of running the ball and also passing downfield we've seen, it's hard to go against them. So I'm all on the Chiefs this week. I'm expecting a win. The fact that Drew Brees is coming back after missing several weeks obviously is a factor that hurts the Saints. I think the Chiefs have an argument that is – just about as airtight as you can get for the best NF team in the NFL. So I'm assuming, do you agree with me that they're the best team in, in the AFC? The Chiefs, What about yes. the NFC? Like, are you leaning Saints or do you think it's the Packers? Because I think it's the Packers far and away. So I just recorded an interview for Sports Map Radio like 30 minutes ago, and they asked me this exact question. And I... I, it was hard because I, I I was leaning towards the Saints. I liked how their defense was coming along, obviously, before the Philly matchup. But as I said, I want to see how Drew Brees does in his first game back. Does he Is he still the same kind of player? Is he going to struggle? Is he going to show some of his age after missing several weeks? Is he going to hit the ground running or not? So right now, I think you have to go. You have to lean towards the Packers. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is really making a case for MVP. I get that. I'm leaning towards the Packers right now, but I have a lot of respect for both of those teams and how formidable they can be. Interesting question. Uh, to go back to the AFC now, uh, Kyle was one of the next fans to shout out his team, and he said the Ravens. And another commenter asked 
you know, who's going to be the odd team out in the AFC wildcard race, uh, the Browns, the Colts, the Dolphins, or the Ravens. That's the way things stand right now. Obviously, the AFC South is still up for grabs, and the Colts could pass the Titans. Um, I think the the Browns are pretty safe at 9-4 and four right now. Um, the Dolphins are the shakiest, probably at 8-5, and five, but the Ravens are on the outside looking in. And I don't know what, I don't know. They're, they have the same record. They're eight and five, uh, but I could see them winning out. Yeah. I have this notebook right in front of me. Cause I was looking at this exact scenario earlier today. You know, I wrote down the three teams in the AFC North, their records, and they're, they're kind of competing. The Steelers are probably safe, obviously at 11 and two, when it comes to the Ravens at eight and five, they are going to win out. They're not going to lose a game for the rest of the regular season. The Jacksonville Jaguars this week, the New York Giants, the Cincinnati Bengals, that would put them at 11-5. and five. And looking at the Browns right now, they're going to be 11-4, and four, in my opinion. They beat the Giants and Jets. Heading into Week 17, they get the Pittsburgh Steelers for a chance to go 12-4 and four or 11-5. and five. So that'll be interesting. But when it comes to the man who could be left out, what about the Miami Dolphins? I mean, I'm, I'm high on them in this matchup against the Patriots. I think Tua's going to do well there. Then they take on the Raiders. That's probably a win. But here's the other thing. Week 17, they close out the season in Orchard Park. Buffalo Bills. That'll be interesting. Is, is Buffalo going to rest their starters? How much will they play? Do they care about this matchup? The Dolphins are definitely got to be on their toes right now to see how they can finish out the regular season. I think you're going to have more teams resting starters than usual just because there's less up to up for grabs with those second and third seeds. You know, before there was a big difference between the second and third seed because you were getting a first round buy or you weren't. Now, only one team gets a first round buy. So, if I'm the Bills sitting at the 3 seed, why would I go all out to possibly get the second seed and play, you know, the Dolphins instead of the Colts the way things stand right now? Um that would be interesting if that's the way it works out and the Bills end up having to play the Dolphins in back-to-back weeks. Um, but to me, I, I, I think that teams like the Bills, if they're locked up by that point, um, and they can, by the way, clinch the AFC East division title for the first time since, I think, 1995, by the way, the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, have won an AFC East title more recently than the Bills have. Uh, all they need is a win. All wow. they need is a win this year, or this week. Um, but they could also win it with just a, a, a Dolphins loss as well. So, um, I mean, there's going to be some decisions made. I, I think that um, the Dolphins, it's going to be interesting to see, because if you remember, I think they played the Patriots in week one, and the Patriots won. It was an ugly game. It was something like 21 to 11 or something like that. You nailed it. I just remember this weird score. Um, defensive battle, and we were kind of like, okay, maybe the Patriots can be something with Cam. Um, the Dolphins have also had, ah. yeah, the Dolphins have also kind of had the Patriots number late in the season, um, whether it was uh, last year when Brian Flores' Dolphins rally to beat the Patriots, which affected seeding, which put the Patriots in that first round game against the Titans where they got um, upset um, or a couple of years ago with the Miami miracle. Um, there have been uh, instances late in the season where the dolphins have gotten the better of the Patriots during the Tom Brady era. Now I think that the Patriots are even more vulnerable now. Um, 
But it'll be interesting to see how that game turns out because Bill Belichick is really good when it comes to messing with rookie quarterbacks. And we saw it earlier this year. I mean, Justin Herbert's looked great against everyone he's played except for the Patriots. You know, he didn't throw a touchdown pass. He had like a 50% completion percentage. Um, Tua, to me, is not as explosive as Justin Herbert right now. He's got he's got solid numbers. Last week, he kind of opened it up against the Chiefs. Um, and if you watch him on film, uh, he definitely is showing some flashes of, of greatness. Um, but I don't know if that's going to come against the Patriots. Yeah, I don't want to go down the two uh, rabbit hole with you right now. That'll last for an hour. We can do that later. Um, But I wanted to throw this out there for all the gamblers who are paying attention to lines, especially since I'm a degenerate myself. Here's an astounding stat. New England has been favored against Miami in 32 out of, out of the last 34 meetings in the series, including 13 straight. The last time the Dolphins were favored was back in week 15 of 2013. It has been a minute since the Dolphins haven't favored so over the Patriots, I don't know if that's something that bodes well for Miami or kind of goes against them. Like you said, I don't like that Bill Belichick is really good at rattling the cages of rookie quarterbacks. But I'm leaning towards the Dolphins in this matchup. I'm excited to watch it. All right, well, I, I've got this feeling to, in a roundabout way to answer the original question, who's going to be the, the, the team left out? I think it's going to be the Dolphins. I, I could see the Patriots beating the Dolphins. Tua kind of having a rough outing against Bill Belichick defense and the Ravens right now are playing, they're playing the Jaguars. And at that point it's going to be tough because they're going to need the Ravens to drop a game somewhere along the way. Um, and uh, so it, it's going to be out of their hands at that point. I, I still think the Dolphins took a major step in the right direction um, this season, but um, I think they're going to be on the outside looking in when all is said and done. Um, keeping it on the AFC side here. Um, Tell me your thoughts on the AFC South. I alluded to it a little bit because right ago because the right now the Colts and the Titans are both nine and four. Um, tell me what you're thinking there. The rest of the way before we started recording, you were telling me something about week sixteen. Yeah, this is a fascinating scenario. So obviously we have three games left. The Titans and Colts are tied, same record. This. AFC South division is going to come down to week 16. No, the Titans and Colts aren't playing each other. In fact, they're not even playing divisional opponents. They're just playing two better teams in the NFL that's going to end up deciding their fate. So for the Tennessee Titans, they play the Lions this week who don't have a quarterback and don't have a center, and they're going to beat the Lions, okay? But in week 16, they travel to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers, as we were talking about, one of the better teams in the NFC who's up for that number one seed. So it's hard to say that the Titans are going to be a team that's definitely going to upset the Packers. Is it possible? Yes, but I like the Green Bay Packers over the Tennessee Titans. Now for the Colts, they take on a struggling Texans team here in week 15. In week 16, they take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. So the Steelers are obviously one of the better teams in the AFC. They have the best record. They have been struggling as of late. So in my mind, I, I imagine the Colts beating the, beating the Texans, then beating the Steelers in week 16 to move forward and get a win over the Titans because I do think they'll lose to the Packers. And that's why I think – the AFC South is going to come down to week 16. I have the Colts winning the AFC South. I have the Titans getting a wild card spot. Um, it's it, These last three weeks in the AFC South are going to be absolutely pivotal. I'm not as confident as you. I, I think that the Titans 
your Titans are in better position. Uh, I don't think that the Steelers slump will continue. I think they got a great get well game uh, against the Bengals on Monday night this week. Um, they're going to iron out all the wrinkles there. Hopefully the receivers learn how to catch the ball again, or remember how to catch the <laughs> ball again. Uh, and then they will be rolling by the time they play the Colts. The Colts to me, it's too late in the season and, and they have too good a record at nine and four to call them fraudulent. But I saw this crazy stat from uh, sports line. I don't know if you've seen, uh, is that they've been favored in every game so far this season for the first 14 games. And when you like look at that compared to the other teams who have been in such a position, you've got each of the last two years, the Patriots, the Rams from two years ago, the Patriots from 2017, uh, Peyton Manning, 2013, Denver Broncos, 2011 MVP, Aaron Rodgers, 2009, uh, Drew Brees, New Orleans Saints, Super Bowl team, 2007 New England and you're going back to greatest show on turf St. Louis at, at one point like the Colts just stick out like a sore thumb in that in that ranking which makes me think okay well their schedule hasn't been as you know tough as maybe some of us we haven't been as hard on their schedule as we have, for example, the Steelers. Everyone this year has been criticizing the Steelers saying, oh, they play a cakewalk schedule. Well, maybe the Colts are playing a bit of a cakewalk schedule uh, because they've been favored in every game and they're only nine and four and they're only eight and five against the spread. So I don't know. I, I to, to me, the Colts feel a little flimsy. Uh, I know it was in week one, but this team lost to the Jaguars. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the only win they yeah. have, right? The uh, that was a long win. time ago, and I don't really want to hold that against the team at this point in the season, especially one that's had its moments like the Colts have. Uh, but to me, it just feels like it's a team that's going to get into the playoffs and then you know, get the doors beaten off them by just a team that's just way better yeah. than them. And maybe I did overstate it. I think my main point was I would rather play the Steelers right now than the Green Bay Packers. All right, that's that's fair. That is true, but um, I don't know, man. The Titans play their best football around this time of year. Derrick Henry is like maybe they both lose Week 16, or, or like you said, maybe the Titans. That's upset possible the too. Somehow. That's possible too. The the Derrick Henry is just steamrolling. You know it. That's what he does this time of year. And the Packers are also like the type of team that's like when they face like a powerful running game like that, they're just like, sometimes they just roll over and they're like, Oh no, like Dalvin cook this year when he went off for like 200 plus yards and four touchdowns or whatever it was against the Packers. They were like, well, we just can't stop them. So this game's over as soon as it started, basically. This is is weird. This this is weird that you're like playing the role of Titan supporter and I'm like against the Titans right now. I kind of like it. I mean, yeah, it's, I do. I just can't go against Derrick Henry. And in the comments, Jason Murphy says Derrick Henry for MVP. You were saying that a couple weeks ago. Um, Then he had a little bit of a, he should be in the race. He should definitely be in the race. There's no doubt about it. Now, in terms of being the favorite, that might be a different discussion. He should be. I like, I think there should be a rule that you should just be forced to talk about one non quarterback, you know, even if it's unlikely, you know, you should, if you're going to talk about the MVP, there must be a non-quarterback in the conversation just for the sake of maintaining and, you know, 
keeping your bias in check because we've gone so hardcore on quarterbacks. What about Jalen Ramsey? Could he be in that conversation? I saw we did a piece on CBS Sports last week of breaking down MVP ballots. A bunch of our staff writers did that. And Jalen Ramsey got I mean, him. Jalen Ramsey is great, but he's not even the best defender on his team. Aaron Donald <laughs> yeah, would deserve it before he did. Who voted for Jalen Ramsey? Do you True. know? Uh, no. I could find out, but I don't know Curious. off the top of my head. I like Jason Murphy's. It tells me to get it together, tighten up, have some faith. I love it. I love it. Let's have let's have faith in my. I like that meme. Go. You ever see that meme? I don't know who it is that tweets it, but he tweets it every Sunday. It says, "Woke up this morning feeling like it was time to tighten the f up." You ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's something Alan <laughs> Bell would say to us. Dude, we gotta try to get Alan on this show sometime. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. so much. It'd probably Absolutely. go a little smoother than Steve T. <laughs> Or yeah, a little yeah. Shorter, All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got some more questions here. Um, I wanted to talk about this, um, but uh, Jonna and a few others are asking about the NFC East. And if anyone is eliminated, no, not even the Cowboys are eliminated yet. They have like a 1.3% chance of making the playoffs, according to the latest sports line projections that I've seen. But right now the Washington football team is out in front. Uh, they have the best record at six and seven. The giants are, a game behind them at five and eight, but have the tiebreaker with two head to head wins over them. So Washington plays Seattle this weekend um, there. It's at home where the giants are hosting the Browns. Honestly, I could see both teams losing that game. And then we're looking at an NFC East winner. Who's guaranteed or no, I'm sorry. Well, guaranteed not to have a winning record. You, eight and eight could be the best they'd finish. Um, what are your thoughts on the NFC East race between Washington and the New York giants? Who is more equipped to make the playoffs and then potentially win a playoff game? Cause someone's going to, in this division is going to host a home playoff game. Uh, amazing. I absolutely love it. And you know, I was planning on coming on today and asking you, you have to admit that the Giants don't have a great chance probably at beating the Cleveland Browns this week. But then all of a sudden, Alex Smith is rolled out. And I probably have to say yeah. the same about the Washington football team and the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not expecting a win there either. Now, when it comes to, you ask that question very interestingly, uh, equipped, which team is better equipped to make it to the postseason? In my mind, I know both teams have been playing fairly well defensively, but I like the Washington football team, and that's because of their defensive performance last week against the 49ers. They only won, sorry, they only scored that game because of their defense. A Chase Young fumble return for a touchdown, and then a Cameron Curl, who's a rookie, pick six there in the end of the third quarter. I think that this team is is rolling. They got some momentum going for them. Here's a crazy stat. They have the longest win streak active in the NFC. Four games in a row Washington has won. So when it comes to the question of better equipped to make it to the postseason and have a chance to be competitive, I think you have to roll with the Washington football team. Obviously, I'm very concerned about Alex Smith's status moving forward. I don't know if this is something that's going to ail him um, as we close out the regular season. But in terms of the team that is better equipped, I would say Washington. I would love if the Giants had Saquon Barkley back and their offense looked a little better. The offensive line wasn't absolute garbage. But – you know me. I got to lean towards Washington when it comes to this subject. 
Yeah, it's hard to go against Washington after what we saw last weekend, but I don't think that that offense, that 49ers offense, was anything remotely close to what they'd be facing in the playoffs. We're talking about a Nick Mullins-led offense that is decimated by injuries. And yes, they scored two defensive touchdowns. It was very impressive. But I think that the Giants' defensive performance against the Seahawks two weeks ago was more indicative of what you would look at in a playoff game. Um, I think that the Giants are, a, it's hard to say, but like a little, little <laughs> bit better on offense maybe. Um, and, and it is really close between the two of them on defense. I think the only, the only reason the defense isn't still being hyped after the Cardinals game uh, was because um, the Cardinals were able to score 26 points, but the Cardinals had like five drives that started in Giants territory. They turned the ball over. They had a, a ton of sacks and um, they still only gave up um, a couple of touchdowns in the game. So the defense was doing all it could. Um, and uh, the offense was just absolutely abysmal. I, I think both offenses are terrible and, Neither team is in a great position, but I think Colt McCoy is better than Dwayne Haskins. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. They had a quarterback battle That's themselves true. a, a true. year ago. When you look at the schedules, though, am I, am I crazy for thinking that Washington probably has this locked up because they have a game on the Giants? There's three games left. Let's assume the Giants and Washington lose week 15. There's two games remaining. Washington takes on the Panthers, Ron Rivera's former team. You know, that'll be a revenge game that's emotional. Uh, you know, that'll be interesting to break down. And then they finish the, the season with the Eagles. When it comes to the Giants, they travel to take on the Baltimore Ravens in Week 16. And then the Cowboys, they host them in Week 17. So am I, am I wrong? Am I weirdly having some kind of bias no. in saying that it seems like Washington's division? I, I think, honestly, like – yeah, the the Washington has the clearer path with three games left. There's no doubt about it. But that's why I said which team is better equipped. Anyway, um, <laughs> is that a bad thing? I mean, you guys are gonna have a good draft. Yeah, right? that's the thing. Is like the Giants. The Giants right now are, and I'm gonna jump into that here because honestly, I don't think either one of these teams is the most interesting team in the NFC East right now. I think the Eagles are. And we're gonna talk about the Eagles in just one second. But the Giants are in this position right now where they're projected to pick 10th in the NFL draft next year, but they're also a game out of first place in the NFC East. So it's just a weird year in the NFC East. But like I said, um, Chase Young or Stefan Tabano, uh, first of all, in the comment section says Chase Young is an absolute stud. So he's with you on that one, Jordan. Um, he's an Eagles fan. Jacob, who I believe is an Eagles fan, says I'm torn because I want the Eagles to three-peat the division, but at the same time, I want to tank for picks. First of all, tanking for picks, I am never a fan of tanking for picks. Uh, if your team is still alive, go for it, man. The season is too short. Too short to root for losses. Um, to, just for three happy days in you know the middle or late April. Um, so... Where do you stand on the Eagles situation right now? Um, starting with the most obvious controversial position quarterback. I mean, I, I'm waiting for, for this Sunday. Uh, that's the game. I think you really got to watch Jalen hurts perform because I think it was Tua. uh, I keep bringing up Tua. he's like my favorite player, I guess now, but he, his second start, 
Yes, his second start came against the Cardinals on the road, just kind of like what Jalen Hurts is doing. The Eagles are on the road this week, right? They are on the road in Arizona. That's exactly what Tua did in his second start, and I was interested to watch Tua that week because, you know, he gets that first start under, you know, off of his back. He gets to kind of sit down, settle in the offense, a full week of practice with him at the helm, him the center of the, the system on offense. So I'm, I'm interested to watch Jalen Hurts and see how he performs in this second start, his first road start. Like we talked about, both sides of the ball of a franchise, in my opinion, receive that jolt of energy when they make that change under center, and they're able to play off of that in that first game. Now now they go on the road, a second game, that jolt of energy is not exactly the same. This is where we kind of really get to break down Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, see if, if we can he can still put on those same qualities as a future of the franchise that he did kind of in that first start. So, yeah, I'm very excited for this game. I think that this is really where we need to break down Jalen Hurts because it's too early to comment, in my opinion. I don't know about you, but it's too early, in my opinion, to talk about the future under center just yet. Carson Wentz has been trash. I get that. But are you ready to completely make the move? You're done with him. He's not going to be an Eagles uniform next year. You just got to get rid of him. Is that what you're No, and I is? think a lot of Eagles fans feel that way and – I don't know. I, yeah. I, if I'm the Eagles organization, I might listen to offers. You know, there might be some teams that are like the one that he's most connected to and talked about is the Colts because Frank Reich is the head coach there. He was the offense coordinator when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and Carson Wentz had his near MVP season. Um, if the Colts are, you know, done with Phillip Rivers or Phillip Rivers is done with the Colts or with the NFL and they're in the market for a quarterback and are willing to give up you know, a first round pick. Yeah. Maybe I try to recoup that first round pick and, and they're willing to take Carson Wentz's contract because right now, admittedly, it does not look good, but what else, what else didn't look good? The offensive line has been reconfigured week in week out. They don't have the talent up there. Um, they haven't had the pass catchers. Uh, even Zach Ertz has spent a lot of the season hurt, who has been Carson Wentz's most reliable pass catcher. Um, I think, some of it, the most concerning part is that clearly some of it is mental. Clearly some of it is, is Carson Wentz in his own head and that's dangerous. You never want your quarterback to enter that type of territory. But when it comes to the physical aspect of the game, there are highlights from this season that you can go and you can watch and be like, well, Carson Wentz made some special plays. I think that Carson Wentz still has a ton of potential in this league, even with the Eagles. And I think Eagles fans and potentially the Eagles organization will be willing to part with head coach Doug Peterson before they do quarterback Carson Wentz. Whether that's right or whether that's wrong, I don't know. But I will think it's funny if the Eagles cast out both the quarterback and the head coach that won them a Super Bowl within three years of it happening. After, you know, however many years it was, 50-some years of never winning a Super Bowl. Uh, for that quickly them to turn on on the stars of such a thing. They'll have a statue, a literal statue of two people, Nick Foles and Doug Peterson, that they said thanks but no thanks to, if that's in fact the way things play out. I think there's been a ton of adversity that this team has faced. Uh, I say, you know, get back in the draft, get them another offseason. Um, this team won two... Uh, NFC uh, division titles, you know, not that long ago. They made the playoffs as a wild card team. Like, I think that there's still a lot of potential on this team. And I, I don't think that it's a completely lost franchise. It's just a down year. It happens. 
I'm with you, and I think it's too early almost to even comment uh, on the situation. I want to see how kind of everything looks moving forward, and we can revisit it this offseason. Some breaking news for our Facebook Live uh, people who are tuning in. According to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, Mike Tirico will handle play-by-play for the Browns-Giants game. Al Michaels did not clear COVID protocols. Quote, I feel great. I have no symptoms, and my temperature this morning was 97.5. I look forward to returning to the booth as soon as possible, end quote. That's Al Michaels right there. We need to protect Al Michaels at all costs. I don't know about you, Kevin, but that is another shakeup in a matchup that has already suffered plenty of shakeups heading into this week. That's crazy. And yeah, I'm reading the tweet right now. That's interesting. We haven't had an announcer go on the COVID list this year. So for it to happen to Al Michaels, (laughs) you know, uh, honestly, I feel like we've seen, and this is like way off base of what we usually talk about and stuff, but I think it's interesting too. I feel like we've seen more Mike Tirico this year than ever before. And dude, like it's time for him to, I don't want to say, all right, Al Michaels, like, you know, push him into retirement, but like, dude, he should be a number one. He should be on a number one team somewhere, you know? Dude, if Al Michaels ever leaves the booth, I I might kill myself. I don't know how that's going to look like, but, but Mike Tirico, I mean, he's the most versatile broadcaster there is in the game, right? If you go to a sports bar and have a bunch of TVs, you're going to see him on the TV, no matter if he's doing the Olympics or women's volleyball or golf or base. He does everything. Well, dude, Mike Tirico, I don't know if you know this or not, but like Syracuse is the number one sports broadcasting school in the country. And Mike Tirico coming out of college, I don't know what the year was. I think it was the late 90s or early 2000s or whenever it was. He was like the equivalent of like an Andrew Luck number one pick, like no doubt about it. Like he was the guy and ESPN got him really quick. And then ESPN made him, you know, paired him with John Gruden and put him on Monday night football. And he was fantastic. And then he joined NBC with the idea that he was going to be the heir apparent to Al Michaels. And then, you know, Al Michaels kind of pulled a little bit of a, you know, Brett Favre and was like, nah, not yet, dude, you're sitting, (laughs) you're staying on the bench. But Al Michaels, to me, uh, is fantastic. I think he's, I think he's, I don't know, I, I, I can't say he's the best because we're Jim Nance people and Jim Nance is the best. Um, I do think that pairing, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, is, is the best. Um, but Mike Tirico is, is right up there. I prefer him to Joe Buck. Yeah, I feel like he narrated my entire childhood. <laughs> like when it comes to like Sunday night football or whatever, that's what it was. Uh, what else concerning the postseason do you want to break down here? We did NFC East. We did AFC South. Uh, what else are we looking at here? Um, let's see here. We did. We, we we sparked a little bit of a conversation with people in the comments. Oh, we got Trey Scott in the comments section who said, when will Jared Goff get pissed that Justin Herbert is taking his L.A. shine and start going for 300 a game like he was drafted to do? Um, I mean, Jared Goff was like putting up big numbers in 2018. Jared Goff to me is just like, he's a product of his system. Everyone knows that it's Sean McVay. And when they run the ball, like the way they did, uh, when we last saw them, what was it? Did they play on Thursday night or something last week? I can't remember when, when it feels like forever ago, but Cam Akers went off. Yeah. I think it was a Thursday night game. Yep. Cam Akers went for like 171 yards. When they run the ball like that and they're doing the play action out of that. Yeah, dude. Oh man. He's unstoppable. He's the man, you know, no one, no one can beat Jared Goff, but 
when the game falls on his shoulders, he looks like Mitch Trubisky. So, um, Dude, he didn't even look that good against the Patriots. I mean, he had trouble throwing out routes and slants. And sometimes when I look at this Rams team, I see a great defense, uh, a run game that's coming of age with Cam Akers, uh, good wide receivers. I even like their tight ends. And sometimes I see Jared Goff just struggle to be accurate. And they win kind of despite They lost to to someone the week before. The the 49ers. The 49ers 49ers. just have their number. But, like – Again, a defense that was able to get after him. They lose twenty-three to twenty. I'm sorry, it was a couple weeks ago. As they beat the the Cardinals in between those two games, uh, and 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 Sean McVay was out there throwing his quarterback under the bus, saying like, "Quarterback's got to play better there." You know, like it's pretty obvious and pretty clear what the issue is um, with LA and or what the limiting fact. We'll yeah. say what the limiting factor is because LA, as we see, they're 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 nine and four. They're projected to get the three seed in the NFC. They they might win the NFC. West, um, they're a good team. Uh, so, but the, but but they can only go as far as Jared Goff can take them. Um, there's got to be a couple other teams we're talking about here. A couple other situations we're talking about here. Um, let's real quickly jump into um, uh, Minnesota versus Chicago because they're playing each other this weekend. They're six and seven each. Um, I don't know if either one is going to be able to overtake the Cardinals, but uh, just who do you like in this game? And do you see either of these teams? making a run here down the stretch as Jordan just like walks off the screen in the middle of the show. <laughs> no, I'm here. I, I don't making a run. No, I, I don't see any of these teams making a run, but I do find this matchup interesting um, because let's talk about that bears Texans game last week, right? Uh, Deshaun Watson's coming in and he, he wants to show Chicago that they made a mistake by drafting Mitch Trubisky over him. And all of a sudden he gets hurt. He stinks. Mitch Trubisky throws up like two or three touchdowns, 260 yards, something like that. He looked great. He had a great completion percentage as well. This Bears team has some momentum with for them moving forward. Now, I don't know about the quarterback situation and the longevity of, about that, of course, but the Vikings team against the Buccaneers, they looked bad last week. I mean, they dominated time of possession, still lost to the Buccaneers by double digits, I believe. I love Dalvin Cook. I love Justin Jefferson. I have some questions about this defense. I think I'm riding with the Bears Dude, this week. Trubisky's honestly playing all right over the past three weeks. He's got a completion percentage. Are you, are you ready to apologize to me, by the way, when I said no, he was good in, like, no, 2018 no, no, when no, I met no, no, you? No, because let's also they're, – they're also one and two over the past two three weeks. But his statistics aren't bad. Oh, I He's know, got I seven can't. touchdowns, two interceptions, yeah, yeah. A, a pass rating of 100.0 on the mark. Um But he's also lost a couple fumbles, so that doesn't get factored into the pass rating. Um I don't know, man. It, it, it's weird to me, like – this division is so thoroughly owned by the Packers. I feel like no other team deserves to get in. You know what I mean? Like at least in the NFC West, it's like, you know, they all kind of beat each other. It's almost like a circle. Like, you know, the Rams beat the Seahawks, but the Rams can't beat the 49ers. And then the Cardinals are just in there. Like, Oh, we'll beat someone this week. And then we'll crap the bed the next. And, it's an interesting, weird give and take division. So I'm fine with there being three teams in the, in the projected playoff picture right now from that division. But it's like, dude, just keep the rest of that division out, man. Like I don't like Kirk cousins. I don't like, and this is nothing personal against Kirk cousins. Um, I don't like Mitch Trubisky. Um, I actually do like Matthew Stafford and kind of like, like some things about the lions, but dude, they're a franchise that's completely directionless. Uh, just keep them all out of the playoffs. That's Green Bay's division. 
they are kind of the equivalent of what the AFC East was for all the years with Tom Brady, with the Patriots. Like, no one else in that division really deserves to go to the playoffs. It should just be the Patriots. That's what the NFC North is like. Only the Packers deserve to go. And they're so far out in front that the competition is sparse. Hey, uh, hey, Dad, can you bring me the whiskey? Just the uh, the Woodford Reserve in the pantry. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so I saw this comment on Facebook. Yeah, it's uh, a ghost. We're already talking about Super Bowl Oh, yeah, dude, I saw someone asking what's a, what our Super Bowl predictions were. Oh, man, we just got a good question from Mikey P, too. Um, well, what's yours? You got a Super Bowl prediction? You want to come say hi, Dad? <laughs> no, no, you should bring the whiskey here. Dude, we definitely Sorry. need a what shout out. Say? We need a shout out for Mr. Dejani. Hey, Mr. Dejani, come over here, please. Dude, we need the shout out. We're live. We're live here. All right, here's, here's, here's Mr. Dejani. You want to lean down? The legend. Hello. How are Dude, we? Dude, the the, Na- the Nashville dan- the Nashville legend. dancing legend himself. The Nashville dancing legend. That's right. There you go. There you go. Watch out for my skin. <laughs> the R.I.P. Yeah. Redskins. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. The R.I.P. Redskins. Yeah, Dad's a big Washington fan. He's excited for the direction of this team. Uh, he's sponsored by Tin Roof in Nashville, so make sure you mention his name if you ever see some specials on the board there at Tin Roof. And uh, thanks for the whiskey. <laughs> Yeah, so what was going on with Mikey P? What was well, the question? we had someone who asked for our Super Bowl predictions, so I feel like should we save that and answer Mikey P's question because it kind of goes with what we were saying. He said, will Matt Ryan or Matt yeah. Stafford ever even see the playoffs again in their respective careers? Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan? Yeah, man. They're like, I feel like two of the most, you know, talented yet play for snake-bitten franchises. In terms of their potential to reach the postseason again, that's that's a good question. I mean, I'm going to lean towards no. <laughs> I think I'm going to lean towards no, which is a crazy statement. But I, I'm more interested in will they be playing for their own teams next year, right? Do, do you have any question about that? Because Stafford, you know, speaking on the Detroit Lions, they could be entering more of a rebuild, but are they entering a full rebuild where they – reconvene and discuss the quarterback position, right? And I think the Falcons could be doing something similar about that. So that's why I bring that up because if they end up switching teams, maybe they might have a better chance of reaching the postseason with somebody like, I don't know, the Indianapolis Colts, for example. What if Phillip Rivers retires and go coaches high school football or something like that and they pick up, you know, Matt Ryan or something like that? Could that be a better situation for them moving forward? I don't think forward? there's really any circumstance where Matt Ryan isn't the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons next year. I do think that Matthew Stafford is Fair. likely to move on from the Detroit Lions this offseason. I think both sides are probably looking for something new. Um and, and, dude, Stafford has all the talent, man. But he's also banged up a lot. At least Matt Ryan stays healthy, you know? They, bo- I like them both. I mean, they're not the problems for their own teams and their own offenses, right? They're not they're, – it's not their fault. No, I wouldn't blame either one of them. Certainly not Matthew Stafford. John says, what's up, guys? Uh, Pittsburgh Johnny in here. <laughs> Love your stream. You guys crack me up. I'm glad someone thinks it's funny. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Johnny. Johnny in the chat. It. Um, Jonna gave her prediction. She says Steelers and Saints. I don't think the Saints are making the playoffs. I'll, I'll tell you what. There's a team that's happy that the 
wait, wait, make it up. Wait, I'm sorry. You mean Super Bowl. You right. said playoff. Super Bowl. The Saints, Saints will make. <laughs> Hot take from Kevin Boiler. The New Orleans Saints are missing the post. Let's talk about the Bucks real quick. Okay. Like. Well, oh, <laughs> I was just like, yeah. Like, are you underwhelmed by them? I feel like I am. Like, they have wow. moments. They have games where they're like, yeah, like we're the we're the Bucks. We're the we're the team that we were assembled to be. And then the, like Gronk is spiking the ball and Tom Brady's throwing 40 yard touchdowns. And then they have like a stretch where it's like, Oh yeah. Bruce Arians and Tom Brady actually hate each other. And this team is like an Antonio Brown fever dream. I, I that last part, I don't <laughs> agree with. I don't have major concerns. About no, he, it's not. Uh, he's I'm the problem. Kidding. It's more like, Oh man, I'm having this crazy dream, but whatever. No, but you're right. Like, you know, there's been reports of dissident in the locker room between those two parties. I get that. But I have a lot of thoughts on this. I mean, the offense is not consistent. I don't like the game plan. Tom Brady has been inconsistent, to say the least, when it comes to throwing the ball downfield. They rely on a lot of dink and dunk, a lot of bubble screen screens, like like Tom Brady did with the New England Patriots. But they haven't been able to execute that as effectively as the New England Patriots did. Now, when it comes to the defense, I love that unit. They have a lot of up-and-coming guys, um, like Antoine Winfield we talked a lot about on this podcast. Uh, but they've been inconsistent as well. And, you know, while they beat the Minnesota Vikings by, like, 12 points, I think it was, I said this already, but the Vikings dominated time of possession, I believe. Like, they almost doubled the amount of time of possession the Buccaneers had the ball, which is crazy. And the Buccaneers were still able to win by double digits. I don't see them as a legitimate contender. I mean, I think that they make the postseason. I think that they're building a little bit of momentum for themselves to end the regular season on, which is a good thing. But I don't, I don't foresee them being a legitimate contender here in 2020. We're going to have to revisit this conversation in the offseason. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make it out of the playoffs, at least to you know, go to the Super Bowl uh, without some serious help. I was just trying to go through some statistics here just to see like if it would show up well on the screen, but it doesn't really, so... I'm going back to the, uh, to the thing, but I mean, I don't know, man. Like they're talking about Brady coming back again. Maybe they're a year away. I I don't know, man. I'm not, not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not even saying like they're a year away. I'm not even necessarily saying that. I'm just saying that I think it would do, it would be good for them to like, I mean, this was the first ever change of scenery Tom Brady's had in his entire like life. Like, since he entered the NFL, like, that obviously has to account for something in a negative way. So, you know, maybe they kind of get it together this offseason and they try for year two. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that that'll suit them well moving John forward. John says it's the curse of Antonio Brown. That's kind of what I was getting at. I'm not saying it. <laughs> yeah, why do you why do you invite the bells? Why do you even invite the evil spirit of Antonio Brown into your locker room Tom Brady, trying to make Tom it Brady to the Tom Brady wanted him. Tom Brady gets what he wants. Uh, Jacob says that the Saints are a trash team and he's glad that Hurts dunked on them. I don't know if they're a trash team. But the Saints, like, what's their largest win this year? Like, have they beaten anyone by more than 10 points? I, I, they probably have, but I, it's not... You said yeah, the Saints? It's not popping out to me. Like, it's... Uh, probably the Buccaneers when they completely... I was going to say something offensive when they completely dominated them in prime time, 38 to three. Oh, okay. And that yeah, was during right. a period of time as well, 
when everyone's like, Drew Brees can't throw downfield. He can't do it. Uh, and all of a sudden he comes in like, and he's just like assaulting people with his eyes in the secondary. He's looking off safety so hard. They're on the opposite side of the field. And he's throwing up to, he's throwing touchdowns to wide open receivers in the back of the end zone. I mean, that was a statement win in my opinion. They swept the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season, That's by true. the way. So I see that as a statement win. I think you can even point towards uh, a couple weeks ago. Remember they beat the Falcons 24 to nine and Taysom Hill's first ever start. That was at the beginning when the defense's progression as a unit started going upwards. And we saw that. And Taysom Hill, of course, played pretty well as well. What they went three and one with him under center. So that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, those are probably the statement wins in my mind, maybe even week one. I don't know if you want to go back that far, but you know, shutting the door on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and their, you know, their first ever game together was a big deal as well. Yeah. And you can't, can't count out the Kendall Hilton game. They absolutely destroyed the Broncos. Oh, yeah, statement. <laughs> I think Taysom Hill threw for 76 yards that game. I, I was, they watered down the game plan on purpose and they admitted that, which I thought was gross. So, yeah. I'm glad we're past that, right? Hopefully we have no COVID COVID issues in the postseason where we have to start a backup quarterback in a wild card game or something like that. I agree, man. I hope that that would that would be infuriating if a team had to ended up in a situation like that. All right, let's uh let's wrap things up here. I'll try to find maybe one more question or one more talking point. One more. I have one oh, more for you. Is it from the I, uh, well, I got one yeah, more for you first. Jo- Josh DeJani, is that your brother? Cousin. Cousin. And brother, uh, I guess. <laughs> well, that gets interesting. Uh, no. <laughs> my brother, you're my brother. Yes, no, I feel you. Uh, I lost it, but he says that you go to sleep listening to 1990s and early 2000s sports talk radio. Yeah. Uh, so Josh was actually my roommate freshman and sophomore year of college um and like our bunks were like together you know at the university of tennessee and i would i would go to sleep like listening to either like sports radio or podcasts of like sports radio shows from like 10 (laughs) years ago like old shows and he was like dude this is the weirdest like bleep i've ever seen in my life and i was like I, I, I think you're right. I see that. I, I get why that's weird, but I've always done this. And so it became like a running Dude, joke. That's funny. I thought he was completely kidding, but that's actually fact. I no, should have known that serious. that was actually a factual thing. All right. What was your last thing <laughs> sure. uh, that you wanted to point out, talk about? Um, I can't pronounce his last name. I don't want to try and just butcher it. Uh, Mike. That's Mikey P. Is that Mikey? Mikey what? P. He went to Liverpool High School. That's my. Uh, is it Pistorino or something like that? Yeah, yeah, man. He follows you on Twitter. He's he's liking your stuff. Uh, well, I don't, I don't have his last name. I've never seen his last name. And his his profile picture is like of a nice like snowy cottage. Is that where? It's yeah, that's about Mikey, Mikey P, P, bro. It took me a while to make the connect. Like when I have followers who are like on my Facebook, or then they're on my Instagram, or they're on my Twitter or something. Sometimes it takes a minute for me to make the connection. Who's who? Uh, but yeah, that's Mikey P. I feel really bad. Why? I, I oh, love were you about to call him out and say he was stupid? No, I was going to say right, something well, yeah, good. He won't I'm, care. Well, it's cool because we're on Facebook. Pronounce his name McPiscarino. Well, now he hates you probably. Is that right? He said, th- no, he goes, my, that's my, me. My that's me, Mikey P. <laughs> he goes, that's me, Mikey P. Well, why do you have the same profile picture as my grandma on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> it's nice snowy cottage. Hey, it's nice. It no, could... I'm kidding. But he asked a really good question. Mikey P asked a really good question. Um, 
He asked what the the most like important or impactful injury was oh, this season. Oh wow! Oh my gosh, you know, that's a great question. Instead of quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, I, I I can talk about. You this have one. Do you have one in a mind? Second, like a lot of people are going. You have one in what mind. Or are you talking well, in general? I mean, are you talking mind- like I thought? I was thinking a specific. Will the. Yeah, like a specific player going down earlier this year that impacted their team the most. Like, what was the most impactful injury this year? Immediately, my mind goes to Dak Prescott, oh, yeah. but at the same time, they weren't they weren't winning games with mm-hmm. him. They weren't winning games with Dak Prescott. The defense was still trash. Like, was does that all of a sudden you know make the Cowboys ceiling like a legitimate you know contender? No, maybe a legitimate playoff threat. Yes. So I don't know if I I'm gonna give that right to Dak Prescott as being the most impactful injury this year. I mean, I can make a case for Saquon Barkley, right? I mean, Wayne Gallman's been great. I get and Alfred Morris has scored a couple touchdowns, but what if what if Saquon Barkley was like playing at a Derrick Henry level or just playing at an all-star level with the New York Giants who are in legitimately in playoff contention? That would be big for a team like that. That would that could be the thing that sets them over the hump that gets them into the postseason. What's another one? Uh Jimmy Garoppolo or George Kittle? Like one of those two? Pretty yeah. big too. Uh, I yeah. would say I would probably. I mean, Dak Prescott's a tough one to be. I'd probably go Dak Prescott, number one. Jimmy Garoppolo, number two, and then George Kittle and Saquon Barkley tied for third. Probably, I mean, Dak Prescott one was heartbreaking. Like Jimmy Garoppolo was weird. Like it's almost like he got a little hurt and then he came back and then he got really hurt and then it's like and he's been hurt in the past and you kind of just are used to not seeing Jimmy Garoppolo around like Dak Prescott was like, damn, he had a contract negotiation. He was playing on the franchise tag. Like the Cowboys were balling in the sense that he was throwing for a ton of yards. Uh, he was doing everything he could to put the team on his back. Um, like Burrow was another heartbreaking one this year, although it didn't really impact. Oh, it, did, it didn't really yeah. impact like the Bengals win loss, but like, you don't want to see a rookie quarterback like that go down. Um, you know, another interesting one that didn't really impact records was Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's missed like 90% mm. of the season, but I saw a stat that was like, they've lost like every game. I know, basically. I know. And like, they... <laughs> um, but that is a big one. It's yeah, hard to think of a bigger star than Christian McCaffrey that went down. Um, and, and how have we not talked about the fractured throat? Dude, yet? The fractured throat was insane. Like, I don't even know that's how that's, amazing, I don't even know how that's a real medical thing. Like that can't be. A fractured throat. It's like something you tell your girlfriend. You're like, I was late. I was late coming home from practice because I broke yeah, my or throat. Or it's something your girlfriend tells you. Um, another big injury, uh, Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley, Baltimore Ravens, dude. That's a really like, big that's one, That's not too. one that's talked about much, but I think that that was him combined. The losing him combined with losing Marshall Yonda to uh, retirement before the season, like, that is the the biggest reason, in my opinion, why the Ravens aren't the same team that they were last year. That and the fact that just like, all right, everyone had a whole off season to prepare for what the Ravens do. You know, I think part I like that part idea. of the reason yeah. why Jalen Hurts did so well against the Saints is because they had like literally no ability to prepare for it. Now at least the Cardinals are like, okay, here's what Jalen Hurts did against the Saints. Let's not let him do the same thing. Um, and we'll get a better idea, like you said earlier, about what Jalen Hurts really is like and what the Eagles are really like with him as their quarterback. So 
Oh, I like what John has said too. Bud Dupree. Oh yeah, that's a big one. The Steelers. That was a very. Are they owing two without Dupree? Either that or one. I don't or two, know what right? game. I don't in remember what game, what game he got hurt. He got hurt at the end of a game. I think it was the rape. They have a losing record. Without I'm pretty Bud sure Dupree, he got hurt at the end of the Ravens game, which was an ugly game to begin with. One that they probably should have lost if Lamar plays. Um, so they're zero and two or one and two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Definitely something like that. Anyway, that's a big deal. Yeah, that's a that's a great yeah, that's a great is. point. All right, any uh any any closing thoughts here, Jordan? Um, check me out, Sports Map Radio tonight, late night radio. We already recorded it. It's going to be a thriller. Uh, and then CBS Sports Radio tomorrow morning. I joined Ken Carmen, who has been giving me the business. He's a big Browns fan. I haven't been on the radio with him in a minute, so I'm glad to jump on with Ken Carmen. That'll be around 12:40 p.m. Eastern, so just afternoon. Make sure to check that out. But of course. Make sure you like Kevin Boylard's verified Facebook page. Make sure you get notifications so you can uh, tune in to watch us make our Look bad jokes guy. and drink whiskey and say hi to my dad. Uh, <laughs> this, was, this was another great edition of Off the Clock. I'm glad that we are both off the clock for the weekend. We got a football doubleheader Saturday and Sunday NFL games. Uh, what do you got to plug this uh, week? Kevin? I don't have much. I mean, make sure you're following the Pick 6 podcast on Instagram. We're always firing out fire content so uh go check that out give us a follow over there um other than that man everyone have a safe and happy holiday uh christmas next week we're coming down to the stretch here man playoff race is here and hot so anyway for jordan dejani i'm kevin boylard this is the off the clock podcast go enjoy your weekend everyone <laughs>